welcome to Red Cell Review. What's up, guys? <clears throat> hey, how's it going? <laughs> that was a little fast, huh? That was a... <laughs> God damn. Speedy I want to get the show going. Speedy Gonzalez, or are we not you allowed to say that? You cannot say name? Speedy Gonzalez. Oh, Actually, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's it's erased now. What? I'm, I'm going to say whatever the fuck I want. With Dumbo. Pew, bitches. Dumbo's Bugs gone. Bunny Peter Pan's gone. Nips. Yeah, what's next? Maurice Chevalier? <laughs> what is that? Oh, never mind. I guess he was already erased. <laughs> he, he was the, what they based Pepe Le Pew after. Oh, I had no idea. No, no clue. But, uh, Greg? Yes. We're, we are now doing part two. Yes, part oh, two. Coordinator part two, Electric Boogaloo. I actually do have the albums. Ah, very nice. Uh, well, I only I have know. He's got no more color on vinyl. on vinyl. <laughs> and I have it on Apple t- iTunes. <laughs> I have it too. Uh, but I, I think one one of these are like um, one of them might both be uh, like re- reissues because one of them doesn't. This this one doesn't really have like a booklet. No, this one doesn't really have like a booklet in it or anything. They did redo re-release them within the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah. So go ahead, Greg. Since this is your band. Yeah, so you to by this. 1989, they they start they start to change a little bit, and um, yes, it was are. a conscious decision of theirs to get. Well, there's really no better way to say it when they're as technical as they are, but get a little bit more simplistic. And they said it was purely a decision based based on the fact that they started going on their first major American tours and world tours and things like that, and it was just they needed simpler stuff to be able to play on stage because it was very demanding to go out there and do it every night after night. Mm-hmm. So they evolve a little bit on No More Color, and, um, you know, it's some of the songs are a little bit, uh, I suppose, catchier to, um, I would say, regular people on here because it follows a little bit more of a verse-chorus-verse thing like mm-hmm. Last Entertainment, but it's still good and it's thrashy. It's just... Uh, you know, to me, it's all catchy. Even the crazy million miles an hour technical shit on "Rest in Peace," but <laughs> yeah, that that and, I find to be a bit more catchier. But go ahead. There's still a lot of that here, though. Hmm. You know, they were just transitioning a little bit, but I still think this is just as great as the first two. Yeah. Just a little bit different. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not used to it. You know, I mean, I like the first two albums a lot. You know, I didn't think I really like them as much as I did, but. Uh, when I when we when I started listening to this one, it was almost like a not a huge shock because it's not that far off from those first two albums, but uh, the production's better, you know. Yes, so that's a little different. It was done by Scott Burns at Morris Sound. Oh, really? Okay. Ah, the yep. Godfather of the death metal sound from Florida. Very nice. Yeah. Yep. So you know that was a, a good thing, but I, I just think. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't hate the album. I think you know they're obviously good musicians. It just the album. Just I just don't like this as much as I like the first two. Um, I, I was kind of surprised because when you said that at first, because well, well I was kind of expecting you to not like what follows. But <laughs> yeah. you know, read my scars, tunnel of pain, DOA. That that it's not really all that different from what they were doing on Punishment for Decadence. I mean, it's. It's kind of lost that jazzy feel to it and has more of a uh, 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 
different type of groove to it yeah. at this and it, point. And that's what I think I miss about it. It doesn't have that uh, uniqueness to it anymore. It seems that they're just trying to kind of mimic a lot of other bands that are doing the kind of same uh, music at that time, you know? And they kind of See, lost with their originality. See, I don't hear it that way, though, because even though they did make it a little bit more simplistic, I mean, it's still distinctly corner to me. You right. know, like, you can interchange pretty much any Testament and Metallica song all day, but when it's Coroner, you know you're listening to Coroner, regardless of the record, I feel like. Uh, Marky with his lyrics and uh, Tommy and Ron with the music, you know, it's very distinctive, very powerful, very individual. Yeah, you're, you're right. The other thing too, I did not like, um, which is weird, but um, I didn't like. I didn't like how the way it's mixed. I mean, I like the way it's mixed, but the way the vocals sit with the mix, I think that's what really kind of bothered me a lot. That's my one issue with this. They uh, <clears throat> they made Ron's vocals a little flat. The musical production is great. This is actually right. probably the best production they had had on an album right. up to this point. I think so. Yeah. Um, and and so does Scott and Tommy, <laughs> but um, yeah, his vocals come off almost a little flat yeah. on uh, quite a large part of this record, which is weird because it was always so direct and forceful. Mm. I mean, uh, well, he's always kind of had a a cold delivery corner in general. Kind of does actually. I think that fits the technicality. Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to oh, me, it's emotional. I, I I get emotions out of it because I appreciate a lot of it, but I can see how it can be interpreted as cold and how that turns people off. <laughs> but they're wrong. I just want them to know. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, I thought it was a total 180 from their first two official releases. Uh, not including the demo, but I did love the demo. But um, when I say a 180, I don't mean it as a bad thing. I mean, I thought it was a steady um, case of progression on them as musicians. And as far as being influenced from outside sources in the thrash world at the time, well, you can approach it one or two ways. You can approach it the Ingve Malmsteen, uh, Michael Schenker way, where you say you cut off all music at a certain point and only get influenced by the sounds that are in your head. But I personally think that that's actually uh, the road to a musician's downfall is not, you know, engulfing yourself in what's going around at the time. But it still sounds like corner to me. In fact, I think it sounded like a better corner. And that's not taking anything away from their first two albums. It's them, I think, finding their niche within that genre of thrash. Um, I thought it was a great album. And uh, my favorite songs from it were Die By My Hands, Read My Scars, and Tunnel of Pain. And DOA is up there, too. But Tunnel of Pain, I mean... That's got some of the sickest sweet picking I've ever heard in oh, a song. Yes. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Is it my favorite Corner album? No. That's yet to be named. But oh. I I loved it. I could see how this album set the pace for a lot of the technical progressive metal that you know, came out especially in the early 90s and as the 90s progressed. I could see it starting here. Yeah. 
Oh, well, yeah. And then there's a ton of like Swiss and then Swedish death metal bands too, like Eluvite that wouldn't exist if it weren't for Korn or probably not even them. Opeth wouldn't sound the same. Their, their, their reach is really amazingly so far and wide. Well, I could see it influencing also stuff like Cynic, um, Atheist, and maybe even Death from 95 onward. Mm -hmm. So I I could definitely see uh, Corner fitting into the, you know, fitting their way into into that sound. So, yeah, good on them. It's funny, my favorite song over here is the last song, uh, Last Entertainment. That's a good one. I knew it would be. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, um, a very catchy uh, instrumental thing I like yeah. that. It, it, it's not my favorite and even though it's different I still hold it on par with the first two hmm. why would you think that was it's my favorite album. song because it has a real catchy chorus and it's easy to remember <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well <laughs> and I've got Sean Cassidy over here <laughs> Wayne writer of the 20 minute two chord song Hey, whatever gets me my my paycheck at the end. Of if the day, you right? could do that and pull it off, I'd be very impressed. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be doing the show right now, honestly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Mental Vortex. Give us some back uh, information on that. Um, uh, but before we... What? what? Just one thing. I thought that was friggin' Lee Harvey Oswald. I didn't realize it was Anthony Perkins from Psycho. So just had to get oh, really? that there. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they sampled the Psycho part on the album at I, one I point. You, you guys didn't put all that together? <laughs> no, I, I saw the album cover first before I listened to it. Then I put it together. Oh. So, oh. Yeah, I had no idea. I thought it was somebody in the band. I don't know. What the hell? I, I apologize, Greg. Go ahead. Just I'll had to get that out there. No, um, <clears throat> big changes on this one. And this is where, you know, they um, kind of started to get fed up with each other a little bit just some dysfunction going on in the band and you know being pressed by noise records and things like that but marky wanting to simplify and go a different way and tommy wanting to evolve in his own way and it not always quite matching up it was a difficult album for them to record but still a very good one and again more sound great production um On this one, this is the only one that I love a lot that I still consider a 10 out of 10 that manages to lose me a little bit in some of the grooves. Um, They're they're still essentially following that same coroner formula, but the fast parts and the groove parts don't always kind of uh, match up as precisely on this as they did the first three albums. Um, you can tell they were in a direct metamorphosis into something else, which I think they came full circle on on the next one. But um, this is still a really good record. He still rips off some of his best guitar work on here. You know, Marky sounds great. Ron's always awesome. And um, his vocals sound stronger here again. They don't have that weird flat quality. So I like that a lot. Then you got stuff like Son of Lilith and Divine Step and Metamorphosis and uh, what's number seven? About Life. That one's my favorite song off of Mine here. too. Mine too. Uh, you know, j- just a brutal track, man. That really harkens back to Rest in Peace, <laughs> the way it rips out of there. I love that song. Mm. 
All right, Lou, I'll let you talk about this album. Well, Greg pretty much said all I had to say about it. Um, I thought it was a, a progression from the previous album. And for me, that's what I want out of a band. I want to see them, you know, get better. Um, I don't think you... I, I don't think you risk um, melody or or um, or talent when you... Uh, no, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Just because a band is melodic and catchy, they could still maintain their technical abilities. And again, part of the reason why I like this one so much was because, again, it was progressing from the previous one, which is what I usually want out of a band. And... I really thought to top it off with a Beatles cover at the end. Oh yeah. And I know how you feel about cover songs, but once again, I Oh okay. If it's done well, right. Oh, you, that, I apologize. Uh, you said it wasn't you said you don't like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, no. But right, so okay, I stand corrected. But <laughs> I thought it was uh once again them putting their spin on a classic song. This time they chose the Beatles and you know, I thought they killed it. It was uh, t- Tom Morris's idea, actually. They were short a song for the record, and he had always wanted to hear a good, heavy version of I Want You, She's So Heavy by the well, Beatles. Well, they got it. And, <laughs> and he, he felt Coroner was the first band he ran across that could pull it off, and he was totally right. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I love the cover. And, um, yeah, like you were saying, Lou, the progression here is great. I love the progression it shows and when i said what i said about the grooves you know just because it makes it my least favorite of all their studio albums doesn't mean i don't like it or it's bad right it's just it's like you know a, it's like for every album that you give a 10 out of 10 just because you pick your you know uh your least favorite song doesn't doesn't mean you you don't love the song it just means you know like it's the one song that you well, you know, not not even skip, but it's just like, you know, I, I, I've heard many people say that a song is their least favorite on the album, but they still love it and they still listen right. to it. It happens. Um, Why yeah. am I explaining this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And, and it's weird. You, you think I hate covers. We we have done a couple covers. No, Why no, no. I, I, I corrected myself. You said you hated Jimi <laughs> Hendrix, not covers. I apologize. I know. You, you, you know what's funny about that, though? Um <clears throat> Well, this time it's Jimi Hendrix, but you have mentioned you don't like other covers of certain artists before. But it's funny because you always specify. But Lou and then Nate before him and Troy before Nate have all said that to you at some point. (laughs) Oh, you don't like cover songs? I'm like, what does he have to phrase differently about what? Anyway, yeah. Greg, call the Mandela effect. I made a mistake. Kind of like when I called uh, the guitar. What did I call? What did what did I call Tommy last week? I called him Robbie. So like, yeah. I mean, I, I goof people. I'm human. Bite me, okay? Jeez. No, nothing beats the time I went to yell overkill and yelled out over Smith. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest shit I think we've ever. Had <laughs> and I had to make a little picture out of it too, which you still oh, use yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> That was funny shit. But uh, actually, the the one song that I like off of this whole album is the cover song of the Beatles song. Uh, I just could not get into this album at all. But wait, you said you hated covers. I'm just kidding. Lou, you're fired. Oh, <laughs> fine. <laughs>
I, I would have thought you might have at least liked about life, but that's cool. Uh, I tried, yeah. man. It's just I, I feel like this band has downgraded since those first two albums, and really? I, it sucks. It sucks to say that because and, I like them so much. And 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 what's what's funny about that is um, that statement that uh, fans that would come to their concerts. That's what, in a large part, also led to them wanting to. Um, not be quite as technical because mm-hmm. instead of just seeing people out in the audience rocking out, you know, people would come and take notes and then give them shit about if they didn't play it exactly like it was on the record. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I hate when people like, you know, they, they love a certain band and they only like the first two albums because after that they change. And, and I like change, but the change has to be good. And I don't think they change for the good, you know? Well, I was telling Greg this yesterday that, you know, I love the first uh, Warning, Rage for Order, Operation Mindcrime, Empire, and the EP. So I like the first yeah. five Queensryche releases. Right. But mm-hmm. after Empire, they lost me. Like, right. I, I, yeah, I, I maybe I lost the plot as a fan, or no, maybe... I think they did. <laughs> okay, so yeah. we're agreement on that, but, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's just the thing. Like, you know, for me, I want progression from a band. Like... I don't want them to release the same album over and yeah, over again. Unless they're ACDC, then it, then they get a pass. Because, yeah. you know, ACDC is awesome. But the point is, it's like, if I want to listen to the way a band sounded like, I'll pop in their first album. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear a band grow. I want to hear them, you know, get better as musicians. I want to hear them be- get better as songwriters. I'm sorry. I don't think that's a lot to ask of anyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, in that regard, Corner does not disappoint me. So, again, just my <laughs> opinion. But there's so like I was thinking of other bands that have changed so much, and it did not work for them. Like uh, the, one of the biggest ones, Paradise Lost. Yeah, I mean, uh, I Year of Summer was a great song, but it does not sound like Draconian Times at all. No, not at all. But then they also went uh, digital and did that album Host. Not one metal thing about it on anything on that and that whole album. And they, isn't that the album with Year of Summer? <laughs> is it? I don't know. I, don't I, 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 I turned it. I had the first song on. I'm like, "What is this?" And I turned it off immediately. I couldn't listen. I never even listened to the whole album. Terrible. Oh. But they had a few albums like that, you know. But then they finally got back on track or whatever. But even even like Megadeth, because a lot of this band, like the early beginnings of this band, remind me a lot of Megadeth. You know how they first started, mm-hmm. and then like when we did that other show uh, last week with um, with John. Uh, so yeah, with John. With so far, so good. So what? Um, it's kind of like that, you know. Megadeth did that album. It didn't sound like those first two albums, and I think it's kind of like Corner. They, you know, did those first two really great albums, mm-hmm. and then they went on. I mean, they tried to get their Corner sound, but I think they just kept uh, evolving it too much, you know. I mean, they changed with that last one, but no, uh, no more color. This another drastic change, and then when we get to the next album, it's even more of a drastic change. Oh, you're going to hate what I'm going to say about it, Wayne. Oh, I know you <laughs> It's just too many changes so fast for me. But uh, all right, let's go to the next album. Grin. Yes. Uh, I, I suppose you can call it industrial if you want, because it is kind of in that uh, area a little bit. But to me, just a, a perfect masterpiece, a perfect uh, progression for them. I love it. It's a great record. Um, I do have one complaint about the fact that some of the drum tracks don't quite sound finished, Mm. but then, um, after seeing the documentary, um, this is true. 
the head of noise records whose name escapes me right now oh but a little background they had almost broken down and stopped talking to each other completely marky and tommy at this point they just they weren't getting along and um i think that reflects in the music yeah a lot so they booked him the studio time noise records did and they sent him in to record it and uh the head of the record company went on holiday, comes back three weeks later, and they're still recording drum tracks because Marky <laughs> just can't get it to Tommy's satisfaction. So they, he had a flip out on him, uh, was pissed, took them off the project, and took and completed the record and put it out. Oh, wow. <laughs> because of how much time they had taken to do it. So the drum tracks aren't quite finished which i really like the primitive yet robotic feel of this also mm. best album ever that has a didgeridoo on it like come on great fucking idea <laughs> yeah. i actually saw that once they used the didgeridoo live on stage i thought it was awesome yeah they um <clears throat> when they do stuff that has it in here when i saw them the guy that does the keyboards and the synths, I think he's got it in his sampler box. But he's really good at what he does in real technical, too. So, mm. But, um, yeah, I love this from beginning to end. Oh, I'm, Serpent I'm moves, status still thinking, grins a great song. Host kind of meanders a little bit at the end. It could end a little bit sooner, but... Um, you know, Paralyzed, Mesmerized is one of my favorite songs they've ever done. That's just, you, you don't even know it's eight minutes long. It's just oh. great from beginning to end. Everything about it is awesome. And um, I just think this is the perfect climax of their evolution. Yeah. yeah you, you sent a, in the messenger thing earlier today, you told me, uh, listen to Static, uh, Status uh, Still Thinking, and ask me if I still think it's not that catchy or whatever and and um i don't know it's it's all right yeah i just thought you might like that one because of how it's set up yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I tried there this one out of these three this one is the better one i will agree with you on that one and, and even um it's mixed even better too i think the sound overall sound of the album is even better i like the song grin that's that's my favorite song off of this one uh, awesome to see them do live yeah um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's still, again, it's a little a bit of a disappointment because it's, there's just, this album is more groove oriented than anything. You know, there's no speed stuff on here. There's no, there's no thrashy things on here at all, really. And it's just, uh, groove uh, some and of the heavy, it's more, some of them, but it's, it, it, this is a more heavy metal album than it is a, mm-hmm. you know, thrash album or whatever. Lou. Um, Sad Still Thinking is actually my favorite song on the album, so uh, <laughs> to get that out of the way, and of the five full lengths that of, of Corner that we reviewed, it's my favorite of the five. So really, I and again, I, I guess the album that I, I compared it to the most wasn't a Corner album; it was Death Sound of Perseverance. I compared it to that in terms of like its production, in terms of its, uh, in terms of the setups, the setup of the songs. And as a fan of like 
you know, jazz fusion, t- uh, you know, uh, bands that do, you know, in, in, in incorporate a uh, technical sound to them. It just really spoke to me. Like, is it the greatest Corner album? No. Uh, compared to, you know, the first four that we heard, I still have to say that, uh, you know, each album is special on its own. But for for me, it's Grin was my favorite one that we listened to as, as a fan of that kind of music. I just, I just really appreciated when a band and not knowing what you said, uh, Greg, that at this point they were at each other, like at a point where they were ready to kill each other and where they were ready to kill their record label. I had no idea about that. So I'm speaking strictly as a fan of the music alone. I loved it. I thought it was great. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's this one story that Marky tells, though, where they literally spend a whole eight hour day in the studio with him just playing the same basic beat over and over <laughs> again with his headphones taped to his head with gaffers tape. And then everything was done. And Tommy came downstairs and he basically said something along the lines of, yeah, we're going to need you to do that part again. So Marky oh threw a pizza at him. And then he jumped on him, and they were rolling around, and the engineer had to go run and get Ron to break him up. <laughs> I'm just curious what the uh, discussion with the record label president of Noise Records, what he said. I gave you guys a, dollar, a budget of $5. That's it. Where's the... I mean, who knows what uh, Noise was paying their, uh, their, their I... artists, if they were paying them at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the figure he gave for what they rented the studio for the time was accurate or whatever, but I mean, you know, they got it because someone else canceled and usually when they cancel you at the time or at certain times you'll get it at a better price. Hmm. Yes, cuz you can midnight. fill it in. So, um, you know, who knows if it really costs as much as he claimed or if he was just pissed off because they didn't complete it in what he thought should be a uh, proper recording time for a metal album, which is bullshit because to- Tommy really hones his production skills here. This album sounds great and it's yeah. just as precise as the other stuff, but um, it's, it's a treat seeing them live now that they've reunited and everything. And they've, they've had that, 15, 20 years in between to kind of almost get better at playing this because now they've kind of reached this medium where it uh, brings together their two different styles when they play the songs from the different eras on stage. And it's really cool. And when they do songs from Grin Live, you know, Marky did the faster drumming. He would make up better parts to look more expanded than it is on the record. Mm. And uh, but like uh, Tom Warrior has said, the biggest deficit of the Coroner reunion is definitely that they haven't done a new album yet. Last year, they said they were working on it. Hopefully it comes out this year now that Marky has left and has given his blessing to the guys to go on with the new drummer who is great. Um, Hopefully it'll finally get done because Marky had no interest in recording new music. I just worry about the lyrics and the image because that was always what he did before. <laughs> oh, really? All right. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope oh, they don't continue. What? Yeah, I skipped the uh, compilation. Oh, I was going to ask you about that next. 
Yeah. Actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of jumped way ahead there. It's all right. I, I thought I thought you were still going. Oh. So it's all right. Oh, and uh, Tommy ended up playing guitar for a, uh, a pop musician. Well, he kind of plays all kinds of different styles. And at the time in the 90s, he was kind of doing the alt rock thing. Mm. And uh, Tommy was available during the six months corner, didn't do anything after uh, Grin before. Uh, no, the funeral tour was after the compilation. Anyway, he ended up playing with him because uh, he had seen a video of Coroner playing and he thought they were great. So he went, played with him for a while, but they did a TV appearance for a show that Stanley was on. And um, when he asked them what they were going to do before the show, they said, oh, we're going to get up early in the morning, take LSD and go to Disneyland because they were <laughs> in Paris. So they, they went to Disneyland tripping and then went and, filmed uh, a couple songs from Grin for a TV show <laughs> and they play it spotlessly too it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like you said hopefully they have the new album out and um, I know I hope they don't continue in the Grin direction I hope they add a little bit of everything from their whole career you know I just hope they don't stick into one genre you know that's all I hope so what about the compilation now uh, the compilation came about because they still owed noise one more record. So um, Tommy basically wrote and arranged the four new tracks on his own and the remixes and whatnot, but um, just gave the guys the notes and then recorded it with them. Uh, they released it and then they did the funeral tour, which oddly enough was uh, advertised as the last tour, which they really didn't plan on at first, but they felt it better for everyone because they just weren't agreeing musically anymore and mm. they didn't want to hurt the legacy of the band. So right. uh, it was it was a killer tour, though, if you ever see any video online. Great shows. Um, I think the compilation serves, uh, like at the end of a book, as a good epilogue to their uh, career. To that so point, was, Sands is a new album, if there is one. But. So there was four new songs on the compilation? Yes. Oh, I'll have to get the compilation. And, uh, yeah, I I didn't bring that CD out with me, I, unfortunately. I, I, I can't know. remember what they are at the top of my head. I thought it was just the compilation of all, all the uh, stuff off all the albums, but uh, I'll have to pick it up. So what direction were those new songs in? Were they still in the Grin vein, or were they something different? The, the same as Grin, but... Um, a little more more cleaned up and a little bit more electronic because Grin's oh, pretty right. primitive sounding. Right. Really, I feel yeah. like. I mean, it's done really well and produced excellently. But yeah. cool, mm -hmm. I'll have to check that. Which out, is then. kind of the direction he was going in because he was getting bigger into production and things like um, that at the time, mm -hmm. and then later on he would join Creator. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. I I, I, actually, Millet approached him at the final show of the funeral tour, which was in Essen, Germany, in uh -huh. 1996. <laughs> Very cool. Lou, you got anything else to say about Corner? Great band. My biggest regret is that I only discovered them because Greg recommended them. I wish I had discovered them earlier. Um. Like I said, I'm. Oh, so this is, I didn't notice your first time ever hearing all, all this. Yes. Wow. 
Yes, and That's Greg, crazy. I want to I want to thank you for turning me on to an awesome band. Um, good on you, sir. Thank you. And You're welcome. I just. <laughs> You know what, like, I regret that I didn't hear this before because I think this probably would have influenced my own writing, uh, even playing style back then. But you know what, I might be 40, but I ain't dead yet, and I'm still writing stuff on my own, and who knows, maybe this might influence me to write something, you know, similar in the vein where I could say, yeah, that was because of Coroner, and that was because of Greg. So, thanks, buddy. <laughs> At least Greg You're did welcome. something right. I'm glad you like him. Yeah, yeah, good as stuff. As much as I do. They're awesome. Also, how awesome of a guy is Tom Warrior? You know, uh, yeah. sings and writes the lyrics for their demo, recommends three awesome bands to Noise Records that are all signed, Coroner, Voivod, and Watchtower, and Celtic Frost, Trip to Con. Tom, yeah. you're awesome. He's awesome. You're so awesome. Yeah. That you should come on the show and talk about it. Definitely. <laughs> right, right? I think right, so. You know what I would love to ask about uh, Tom Warrior? I think he was actually uh, the curator for the Giger Museum. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd love to ask him about that because Alien is one of my favorite films. And, you know, just uh, just to ask him what it was like. Yeah, just with enough, you know. So much to talk to him about he's you know a very cool guy oh yeah i the, the shit that he's that done that, that would be amazing there there are so many different things because he's just such a multifaceted person mm-hmm. and, well, th- and I, same with i could if we could get tommy from corner even or ron or any of them that'd be awesome the crazy thing is when i was working at uh at viacom part of my job on the overnights was making sure that every episode of uh headbangers ball um, aired without a hitch because every Saturday night it was a new episode. So we wanted to make sure that the interview segments were, you know, QC'd beforehand and that the videos were in house. And I tell you, we played, um, when <laughs> Celtic Frost released an album, I think it was sometime in the mid 2000s, and we played that video weekly. And it was great to see Celtic Frost on MTV2. Um, I really thought that it was going to be the beginning of a new chapter of their career, but mm. it was unfortunate that right after that album, that tour, that was it. But, you know, I mean, Tom Warrior, again, one of those guys where, you know what, he earned his uh, his keep in the uh, world of music, so he could do whatever the hell he wants. You know, he earned that right. And Triptychon is great, too. Oh, yeah, I love them a yeah. lot. Good. But, um, yeah, I love Monotheus. That's one of my favorite Celtic Frost records. I... I thought that was great, you know, that that's that's the best possible way you can do a reunion, not just even come back and do everything from before just as great, but to come back and make just such an awesome reunion album. Fuck you all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to show you how to do it. This is, how, this is how the big boys do it. That's exactly what they did. I remember when well, that came out, I, I immediately went out and bought that. I remember I, where I bought it. Just like I, I will do with Corner's new album when it comes out, hopefully this year. I know in my college radio days, we were serviced with Apollyon Sun. I think that's how it was pronounced. Yes, yeah. which yeah. Marky was their drummer. Um, unfortunately, he left the band, and that never ended up coming out. Mm. Other than a demo, I believe. And that's probably what happened. I think it was. I think it might have been released on Deadline Cleopatra Records. And uh, aside from the uh, the birthday massacre, can't really think of 
much quality stuff that's on that label. <laughs> Again, just an opinion. Don't get offended. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll, want, we'll be wanna, taking off that promo list. Want to be pseudo goths? What? Who said that? <laughs> that could Thanks could be. I mean, I I just have no frame of reference. I'm just going to assume you're telling the truth because they they've never. Uh, I've seen a few things on their label, but I've never heard anything that made me want to buy anything else. So, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but e- even though I I like a lot of goth stuff, like I, actually, um, even though they weren't at the best place for creativity. Certainly not for aggression. Um, I do like the two creator albums that Tommy plays on. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I thought it was really cool of him that he was able to step aside and just kind of be a side man to Melee at the time. Although on Outcast, they definitely didn't uh, make the right decisions throughout the whole album. I respect what they man. were trying to do, but right. um, that wasn't the greatest. However... And Dorama, the one they did in '99, is a masterpiece. That that mm-hmm. is a great album. Him and Tommy really connected on that, and it it's awesome. Yeah, it's all right. It's still a little disappointing. Again, it's it's another band that you know tried a lot of different things throughout their career, and then just a couple things that just did not. I work. love British goth like Bauhaus and shit like that. Oh, I love Bauhaus. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I tried. All right. Anything else? Oh, no, Anything that's... else you want to talk about, just in general, before we get out of here? Not, not. Um, well, I'm happy to to announce one thing. And uh, Wayne, you saw my Instagram on this, but I'm very happy to say that yeah. on eBay, I found these gems: Headless Cross, nice tier and cross purposes. Nice. All so, no, not all. <laughs> <laughs> No, they are they are original pressings, and I even to make sure that they were not bootlegs, I made sure that the barcodes worked. So very happy to say that I hey, own. They're really good nowadays. They can work. I know. I know. This is true. I'm very happy to say I now own three of the four um, Tony Marnera Black Sabbath albums. So very good, Will. I congratulate you. I, I think you'd have to pay me to own Forbidden, but that's uh... <laughs> you're gonna have to. You got to own one of the versions, right? They they re released it, right? Not too long ago, remixed, remastered, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, but that doesn't mean I'll ever buy it again. I mean, there's a couple of things on that I like, but um, are we talking about Forbidden? Yeah. Forbidden, yeah. Did they but... release it? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Or they have plans to. I'm not 100% if it came out yet. Got to be honest, kind of dropped the ball on that one because I don't really like the record. Like I said, there's a couple of things I like on it, and it's still Tony Iommi, but uh, that's a pretty boring one. Um, I love Eternal Idol, though. I got to cross purposes again someday. And tier. Headless Cross would probably be the last one I get. That one's okay, but it sounds too much like Black Sabbath trying to be Black Sabbath. Mostly Tony Martin with overdoing it with the fucking evil shit in the vocals. Took yeah, it too far. Uh, you gotta admit, though, uh, One Death Calls is a masterpiece of a song with a great guitar solo by Brian May. I love that song. It was That's uh, a great song, yeah. yeah. The remix is done. It's been done since last year. But uh, they're waiting for the right time to re-release it. That's, that's what's going on. 
Yeah, mm. but um, to, to piggyback on what Greg was saying, Forbidden was a contractual obligation to IRS just to get them out of the contract. And um, it was shortly after that they announced the reunion with Ozzy at OzFest. So, yeah. We should do a, a Tony Martin era Black Sabbath. Uh, you know, I, I think that he does not get enough recognition for this, the albums that he was on at all. He I'm does. I'm too familiar with the Black, I don't, Black Sabbath. I don't era, think he but... does either, but um, the. the... There's been quite a bit written on the subject, though. I mean, there's plenty of references and whatnot, you know. I mean, yeah, it, it's gotten to a point. What Here's the truth of the matter. This much I know. Ozzy owns 50% of the Black Sabbath name. Tony Iommi owns the other 50%. Ozzy only owns the 50% because he put an injunction on Tony Iommi saying that he doesn't want anything to be Black Sabbath related unless he gives the okay on it, mm-hmm. which is why when Heaven and Hell... Uh, did their reunion, they didn't call it Black Sabbath because since it had nothing to do with Ozzy, he legally couldn't call it that. Although fans knew that it was Black Sabbath. Um, In terms of the Tony Martin era, yeah, that's pretty much all been erased. Um, Either, and I don't want to speculate, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past Sharon Osbourne to, you know, put the, you know, put the kibosh on it. I wouldn't, you know, again, what she would get out of it, I don't know, but if Ozzy doesn't have his name on it, obviously the Osbournes don't get a paycheck from it. And we all know that Sharon's going to freaking push Ozzy to tour until the moment he drops dead on stage. So, um, yeah, you guys could say what you want. I have no fucking love for Sharon Osbourne. I'm sorry. I really don't. Keeping this with the Black Sabbath subject here uh, before we leave, uh, I saw something on Blabbermouth the other day about Geezer Butler. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> Showing uh, Ronnie James Dio the uh, the devil horns uh, gesture, and he's the one that started it, not Ronnie James Dio. I mean, Ronnie says he got it from his <laughs> Italian grandmother. Yeah, right. the evil eye, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm thinking, Geezer, you might have had a little bit too much tofurkey. Or either a little too much Guinness. But oh, wait, there was an up, there's an update. I didn't, I didn't see this because I didn't read the whole thing. Actually, breaking, just, breaking. Just, breaking news. <laughs> Where's that sound? I'm reading this on Blabbermouth. So after Blabbermouth published this article earlier today, Geezer Butler took to his Twitter to clarify that he did not say he invented the devil horn sign. Uh, I always used it in the song Black Sabbath. He wrote, uh, I merely shared it on stage a moment between Ronnie and uh, him. And Ronnie made it famous, and it will always be associated with him, regardless of what anyone says. Also, I do not want people to think that I was dissing Ronnie in any way. He was one of my dearest friends ever, and I will always miss him and our friendship. So, all right. So, forget that whole thing then. All this and Morley Schaefer <laughs> next on 60 Minutes. Breaking news, Ronnie James Dio comes back to the dead to say, Geezer, you fucking asshole. How dare you talk <laughs> shit about me? Uh, his hologram is so pissed right now. All right. <laughs> I think you'd be more upset by the hologram. Yeah, I think so too. But all right, I guess that's it for now. Yep. Yes, it is. But it's been a fun couple weeks. It has one of my favorite bands. I really enjoyed talking about this stuff. Man. And next week we're doing the discography on Men Without Hats. You can dance if you want to. <laughs> you can leave your friends behind. I love the Men Without Hats. <laughs> and then after that we can do Celtic Frost and then Voivod because Way actually plays drums on a Men Without Hats album really? is this a fact? yes, Sideways from 1991 but that is a really long story and we will talk about that on a Voivod based episode 
Well, you, if there's one thing I learned about Canadian musicians is that A, they're nice people, and B, they seem to get along with each other regardless of genre. So that's one thing they have over most other countries. So. That's a good thing. All right, well. Uh, Lou, what's going on with your show? Well, I just, uh, I'm just i right now in the middle of editing two episodes at once oh. um, because they're uh, video episodes as well as audio ones. Okay. So I'm doing that. I got two interviews lined up for um, this Sunday, which will actually be the 14th of March. By the time we're recording this, just to give people some context. And uh, I have a couple of other interviews lined up after that. So the <laughs> it's funny. I'm, I'm going to go from three to ten more episodes in probably one week. And people go, wait a minute. I can't keep up. <laughs> but, you know, and for me, it's just it's it's about uh, it's about quantity of episodes, but it's also quality of the episodes. I want to make sure that uh, this is something good for people to enjoy watching. So I'm actually putting in more photographs and um videos to provide context for the people that I'm interviewing. So, you know, I'm trying to make it good, right. trying to help build the name of Rat Style Review and Music is Life podcast. You know, Wayne that. and Greg are my boys and uh hey man, let's take this as far as it can go. Let's Try. let's you know, stratosphere. Let's do it. Let's do it. Fucking hey. Hell yeah. Let's reach for the stars. And if we fall flat on our faces, I hope we land on somebody we hate and kill them. <laughs> Watch out, That's Sharon Osborne, right. you bitch. All right. Keep away from the digital bitch. I love that album. <laughs> Me too. My we favorite did. Black Sabbath record, but that's a story for another day. We'll get, we'll get to it. We have to <laughs> at some point, right? All right. Yes. Everybody, please go to ratsalreview.com. And as Lou says, you can listen to his show on our network and also on his own network as well on uh, Anchor or pretty much everywhere, right? Yes. Um, iTunes, like Amazon, and also, you know, again, please like and subscribe to Ratsal Review on YouTube. And also my channel, Music Is Live Podcast. Wayne, just one thing. What? And um, you always put Music Is Live Podcast beneath my name, and I Not really anymore. do. Oh, you don't? <laughs> okay, because because I'm officially part of the Rats Hour Review yeah, uh, team. So okay, I'll just say thank you for doing that. So, but yeah, so I figured you always put your stuff at the end anyway. So just more work for me. So I stopped doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I want to make life harder for you? <laughs> no. But yeah, please go uh, subscribe to Lou's channel. Get him some more subscribers on there, please. He needs them desperately. I want to fix my basement, make it a studio. God damn it! Yes, donate. Got to get him, get him up there. Donate to uh, Rock Salad. Donate to Music Is Life. Yes, please. And I, I there is a donation thing. If uh, if you're listening to this on the description of the uh, video, there's a donation. If you want to send us a good donation, you don't have to, obviously. But if you would be so kind to. You can please send it to the email address. What was that? <laughs> I don't oh. know, but buy a shirt. There's a dog people. coming out of the cage. Yes, and please buy a uh, buy a dog. <laughs> buy a shirt. Buy no, no, no. a dog. Don't yeah, buy a, buy a dog. Go Adopt a dog. Buy a Ratsal Review T-shirt. Exactly, and uh, RatsalReview.com, and we will see you guys next time. Cheers. Hulu. What? <laughs>